Ranchi. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next and newest episode of Middle Age Metalheads. I am Michael Stamps, coming to you from Sellersville, Pennsylvania, where it is orange and smoky outside. I am joined, as always, by David Timoney down in Philly. David, Yo, what's your like? Gross? Uh, yeah, it's gross. It's uh, I think we're out of hazardous. We're currently just dangerous. It's definitely down to like being outside is like smoking six cigarettes at once. It doesn't smell. Uh, it doesn't smell like a campfire anymore today. Cool. So that's cool. yeah. That's that's always good. And of course, we got uh, John Harden down in Texas, the Lone Star State. Yep, smoky <laughs> here too, but because of brisket, <laughs> because of the brisket and all of the pit bosses doing this shit. But. Uh, uh, Colin Bosler, of course, is uh, in still spirit, with loudness, but uh, he's in he's in he's in Japan and he is literally big in Japan. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we wish him well. He, he wanted to chime in on this episode. So we'll see. If we get like a little VM from him or something. But uh, Let me, uh, to tonight episode tonight's episode is going to be devoted to a listening party. Right. Yeah. For. Uh, yeah. Just a, a general discussion. About General Metallica's St. Anger. St. Anger turned 20 this week. Stanger. 20. Yeah, Shit. 20 years old, which yeah, it caught me by surprise a little bit. Which Yeah, I, it, I, I was surprised it was only 20 because it seems like it's been about 20 <laughs> years since I listened to it. Well, yeah, there's probably, there's but, probably been 20 years worth of discussion for a, for an album that some might argue is not worth 20 years worth of discussion. Yeah, they they totally kind of like banished it from their set list a long time ago. Frantic yeah. maybe comes in every once in a while. Yes. But. And and Saint Anger they play every once in a blue moon too. Usually like an anniversary show or something, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh but uh what do we do before that? Uh, Weekend metal? Recycling. The Weekend metal. Once again, you have wowed <laughs> yeah. us with yeah. your production prowess. Uh, yeah. Gave you a Charlie horse. Weekend metal this week. Who is leading off the weekend metal? I think uh, it is David. Yeah, it is me. How about that? How now, about I don't, that? I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's to be believed, right? Because it's it's just it's rumor mill stuff. But there is an insider report that. Um, that your man Nikki Six and Mick Mars are starting to consider a replacement for Vince Neal going forward. You mean Tommy Lee? Because you know. Tommy Lee and Nikki Six. Yeah, Mick's Mick already Mars. been replaced. No, no. I mean, I think that I think that there's some conversation that that has included John Five, Wait. like since John Five has come oh, in. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Considering replacing Vince Neal uh, going forward and. Uh, the metal den who if they are to be 
given any yeah. any credence. Sure. Uh, the 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 one in the lead for the running for this job is is one Scott Stapp of Creed. Oh God! Whoa! Here's Whoa. here's the best <laughs> case scenario. Whoa, this is not even like fantasy football shit. This is just sort of weird. And gross. Here's the here's the best case scenario for Motley Crue. Vince leaves, and they get Sebastian Bach, and because Sebastian can still sing, and like and like eventually. Nikki falls off and so does Tommy and then John Five and Sebastian Bach have just wrestled control of Motley Crue. <laughs> now, when they Vince become... leaves when Vince leaves Motley Crue, he calls Mick and they form a new band. And that band is called Motley Crue. Just like Great White, <laughs> now there are two Motley Crues. You don't know which one you're seeing until you get there that day. Could it be Vince and Mick? Maybe. Could it be Nikki? And Sebastian Bach, possibly. Oh, yeah, one could be is, called this, Motley, this, and the other could be called Crew. I. They should both be called Motley Crew, just <laughs> like Great White, or they call it Mick Mars Motley Crew. There, 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 were, there were there were two versions of LA. And the other one's going to be called John Five's Motley Crew. John Five's Motley Crew. Yeah. But this, this again, this, this is the absurd lengths that uh, things go to. I don't know if there's just like hot stove talk, you know, where people are just sort of I like, I don't know how, hey, how far I trust the metal den. Yeah. Where, where Scott Stapp is like coming in. To- that sounds <laughs> fucking awful. That yeah. guy should just, well, that guy doesn't need a platform, right? Like, if, just- if, if, if Scott Creed was going to get back in the ring, my guess is he would just go back out with the guys from Creed and make the money they can make at yeah. fairs or whatever. But, 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 but guys, those guys, guys are in Alter Bridge, aren't they? Alter Bridge is actually like pretty They, they make more money without him. Yeah, and they just put out a new record, and they're they're pretty solid. Is that yeah. that Mark Tremonti guy? It is, Tremonti, yeah. there you go, yeah. So... People I don't know. love his amps. It's the only thing I ever hear about that guy. Is in like the the guitar world. People love uh, his amps. I know, like Wolfgang played with them for a little while. Oh, I really? want to say played with <laughs> Tremonti. Yeah. yeah, they're not they're not they're not terrible. They're not terrible. Just you know, whatever. I hate, I hate I'm these. Not, like, I'm not going to see Bridge religious band names. No, I'm not interested in either one. To be fair, like no. and, 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 like people not even that like, interested sort of like career. try to like. Uh, Fred Boo's Nickelback, but still, I'm not going to see them. You'll know when you go see them. You'll think like, yeah. this band is a, sucks a lot less than I thought they would suck. But I, I think Motley is going to fall into, they're just going to attach themselves at the hip with Def Leppard, and they're just going to go out every summer now. Mm. As the, yeah. It won't be the stadium tour. Next time, it'll be the amphitheater tour, and then eventually the theater <laughs> tour, but like, <laughs> I, you know, there's no reason for them to just do what you're doing. It's a yeah, fucking cash cow, man. It's a hundred dollars. Go do your. I mean, it's, it's, in the door. If they go out every summer, it's going to be like professional football players, where they play for three months and then spend nine months recovering. Yeah, dude. I mean, for the longest time before the stadium tour, that was Def Leppard every summer. They wow. toured every summer. Like I'd say for how long, Mike? Ten years. Right, yeah, but again, I don't think as many people were seeing them. No, most of those tours were with Tesla. Tesla and then usually like one middle band. Like yeah. I know what, the last time I saw them before Stadium Tour was Tesla and Ario Speedwagon of all things. Right, yeah. And but then Def Leppard. Again, and they're, they're you know, all, all credit to Def Leppard too. They're, you know, they're, 
I'm not going to say that they're trying to stay musically relevant, but they did put out a new album last year. Some really good songs. The last month. And then they this then, month in the last this month week? They, they put out the <laughs> that, that out the der, symphonic deranged, thing deranged uh, what do they call it deranged orca- orchestrations or something where something they just like basically that. redo it's, a lot of the really songs. Bad. But you know, and some of them are really good, interesting, yeah. interesting. Like uh, Animal is really interesting. It's kind of sweet. Uh, oh, but oh my gosh, see the orchestral or listen to the orca- orchestral drastic r- symphony. It's drastic the symphonies. There you go. Man, you have to hear the pour some sugar on me version of it. There you go, David. It is. Now, now you got homework. Oh, great. I'm going to say this, you know, it was without any sort of like jest, like probably the worst song ever. <laughs> just, just the worst. All, all pour the, some like, sugar on me? Done this version, of it. version. Uh, okay. and there's there's a female singer who joins Joe oh, as a kind of a like a lovely ballad, and it's and it's it's meant to be like some sort of I don't know like a rom com kind of like soundtrack. Who, who is this for? That's that's the I question. Who I don't is know. this or, album for? Bored, you know, soccer moms sitting in. Dude, bored soccer moms will just listen to hysteria. They don't need an orchestra. They'd yeah. rather just I, hear the songs they like. I, it, it seemed most unnecessary, but they totally did it, and they did it hard. Yeah. So well, if anyone's looking for a copy out. of that, hit Colin up in, like, November, and he'll be yeah. happy to send you one just for the cost of postage yeah. to get yeah. it out of the house. Yeah. Like, break, break even. Yeah. When, when they start getting all romantic and singing, like, pour some sugar on them. <sighs> one love. Or two. No. Like, no, they no. Say no. That? That's in the lyrics. Well, that's the actual lyric of the song. But like, yeah. Really? No. Really? No. Just yeah. Just go. Just just keep wow. walking. Just walk away, Wookie. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> well, what do you got, Michael? Ah. Uh, so um, this is June. Uh, it's Pride Month. It is. Uh, so it is. of course, is if you you open up any sort of news app and you read the news, uh, there are people. Uh, just generally losing their shit about <laughs> anything related to gender identity and grooming of kids and the weenie chopping and Ron DeSantis, of course, as if the whole platform is about making all the, the sort of like queer folk feel like, uh, you know, uh, they're woke and they're not welcome in, in Florida anymore. And, uh, and then there's a lot of actual real life threats and actual violence as a result of all this um which brings us to d snyder um weirdly d snyder was recently you know asked to be the grand marshal for a pride parade in san francisco and he was all set to do that and uh I don't know. It, it's again, it's like the same sort of theme where like these old guys, like Ted and and D, not musically relevant, but uh, and and still sort of like a little, I don't know, out of touch in a way. Yeah, out of touch, but just sort of like Neanderthalish. But uh, I guess you know his whole thing was like I don't want to join this thing, and he and he tweeted something about how he didn't want. Uh, 
gender-affirming health care provided to trans kids. Um, and so uh, the, the Pride Parade said, like, well, fuck you. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And then Dee was like, well, fuck you. I don't want anything to do with you. Um, he had some interesting comments on the Metal Sucks uh, website that, that documented this. And again, Metal Sucks is usually a, is very uh, sort of... Uh, I'm not going to use the word woke, Ron DeSantis, but there it is. You know, but they're aware of like what's going on. And if you, if you read like a lot of what D has to say to like defend his position, um, it's like straight up conspiracy theory, right? The, the, the idea that, you know, when the people talk about, uh, you know, gender affirming care or health care for kids, we're talking about kids entering puberty. We're not talking about as D does about like, kids who were like four or five years old really it's really interesting to see how you know uh, d snyder who made basically his career off of being a drag performer um and again would, would seem to be a very you know suitable grand marshal still isn't like getting it yeah i i feel that, that it it sucks that people have so many published opinions about things that are none of their business and they're in these places of, at least socially, they're in these places of power where all they need to do is say something positive about people. Yeah. And not have a freaking opinion about it. Right. You know, it's it, like it's like that 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 <laughs> there's that, that Ted Lasso thing where the, the guy's like, Why he did it? It's none of my business. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's well, like it's not it's nobody's business what you do. And, and what's worse is it, it just spreads misinformation because correct these people get the idea that anything trans related anything sort of queer related is automatically like aimed at children this and this kind of goes back to stuff that they were doing in the moral panics of the 60s and stuff mm. it's sort of like the thing to be afraid of mostly is homosexual men because they like kids it's like anyhow anyhow Pat Robertson is dead, and <laughs> everybody has a new grave to piss on today. <laughs> Anyhow, happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride and, Month. And D. Snyder, come on, man. You could do so much better than Ted. Right? You could say about 10% of what you said and change all the words. Uh-huh. Anyhow, John, what you got for the Week in Metal? I just have a quick week in metal. Geezer right. Butler released an autobiography this week uh, called Into the Void. I got it. And uh, so far, uh, it's pretty entertaining. I haven't gotten too deep into it. It's the typical, you know, it's like every rock biography kind of starts out with, I, I was a poor student until I met <laughs> you know what I mean? And I haven't gotten to the part where uh, he either left school at 11 years old and met Ozzy or was working in a factory in met Ozzy. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was just notable for the fact that, like, you don't hear from Geezer that often. Um, you know, you you hear from, from Ozzy a lot. And behind him, you hear from Tony, Iommi, now and again. And uh, not not a ton from Geese. So, like, uh, yeah, he has a uh, the audio book he reads, and uh, and Ooh. the novel just came out this week. So, uh, <laughs> if, if you're a Black Sabbath, too? yeah, if you if you're a Black Sabbath fan, then uh, you know that that's there for you. I think it's worth the ride. That's 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 cool. Um, yeah, and again, Geezer was like the guy who wrote the lyrics for like all those classic records. Absolutely. So. 
show. It seems kind of weird that he's the last one behind Ozzy and, and Tony to like actually put out a biography. Yeah, Bill Ward hasn't, right? I'm not, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I don't think so, because I, 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 again, I've been following the story, and it's like, yeah, it's like Geezer is putting his out. And he was talking with, uh, who's Colin's favorite uh, rock journalist? In uh, someone on Sirius. Don't, don't, don't say it. If you don't, say it, say it three times. Teddy Frunk? Uh, yep. Anyhow, um, he was talking with Geese uh, about his upcoming biography. And yeah, it definitely seems like it's going to be a good read. What are we talking about, John? Like you did 600 pages? Oh, no, no. It, it's oh. probably about half that. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the average rock biography. Okay. It's like it's it's not Lord of the Rings. It's, so, you know so, what I mean? It's, <laughs> so, it's, so half of it is like, and on this day we did cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You pop it open, you you skip to chapter four when it's like, and then, you know, we saw this spooky movie. And then it's yeah. like, okay, now we're here. Yeah. Like, it's but, 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 but Geezer's like a really interesting, smart guy. I I agree. Like, That's why I thought it was worth bringing up. Like, yeah. uh, he, he's a good dude, so. All yeah. right, there's the week in metal. There it is. Quick and easy. About, a, about like 30 minutes shorter than last week's week in metal hey, which well we had five know. guys on last week that's true that is true joint, but. Yeah. uh that brings us to our topic of the week which we mentioned is metallica's saint anger released uh i think on the 6th june 6th of 2003 so it just came around to its uh to its 20th anniversary this week and uh you know we were we were shooting some ideas around as to what to do this week and it's a record that I thought was worth exploring because it's one I don't think we've ever really talked about in depth on the show. We've talked about the production issue uh, a little bit here and there, but like, I, and usually when we do an, a, a, an episode like this, I will, if I'm driving around, I'll put the record on just to sort of like reacquaint myself with it or some of the deeper tracks just, just to have a point of reference. I purposely didn't. Uh, with this album this week. I don't think I've heard St. Anger in at least 10 years. Wow. At yeah, least. I, I, was, I, I was having like the same thoughts about five hours ago or so. I'm thinking, I, I have the record. Yep. I, I've listened to it. I've watched the doc. Uh, uh, Some Kind of Monster. Some Kind of Monster by uh, the Joe, uh, Joe Burr, Burr. No, no, no. What? Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Sinopsky. Uh, Sinofsky and Berlinger. Yeah. Same guys who did the Paradise Lost documentaries that yep. Metallica provided the, mo- the, the music yeah. for in the early Re- Really great documentarians, and we can talk yeah. about the movie too. Um, so it's like, but I really like, like I was, like you said, John, like I hadn't probably put this record on exclusively to like sit down and listen to it T to B. I don't know, probably 20 years. Yeah, yeah, like since like, it came out. I mean, that would be fair. Ten, 10 was a conservative estimate, but top to bottom, like you said, probably not since yeah. it came out. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. But but I but I but I did do the thing that you did not do, which was like sit down and listen to it before the show, and it was like, there's a song called Saint Anger. Saint <laughs> <laughs> Anger. Yeah. It's like weird. I, th- I think they brought back St. Anger. I think when they did the uh, the Metallica 30, when they did the nights, the consecutive nights at the Wiltern, and they played like just deep, deep stuff. I think they did play the title yeah. track. 
<laughs> Which they, you know, they never do. Well, they, they try to like stay in contact with their with their catalog, but like, man, I, 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 some of these songs just sort of like they did this. They did. Yeah, this. it's like the first time you're hearing it. Mike but, got but, a new Metallica record today. But but, but oh, and again, I was I was mostly sort of like, this is pretty good. I'm not gonna like shit on this. The, the some kind of monster song seems a little kind of unfinished, and, and some of them are like. Really? It also it also came out at a strange time, you know. It kind of, yeah. It got released. We're we're in our early thirties at that point where we're into our careers. We're not kids anymore, waiting for the next Metallica record to come out, going to see them every time they come back around. Like you know, I, I think when it came out, I was I was working at a production company already, and it came out, and I was like, oh cool, new Metallica record came out, but it wasn't like. It wasn't something that I was waiting for. And I and I think those late 90s and early 2000s were just like a little bit of a gray area for them. We've mentioned yeah. them trying to keep their head above water with load and reload and, you know, yeah. eventually playing Lollapalooza. It was a strange time for metal, a strange... I, I mean, going let's let's talk to David about David. I mean, you like this record, right? I do like this record. This yeah. record was on, and I've mentioned this before, I had like four or five records that were in a playlist that I would listen to when I was writing, right? Cause I was at the time I was doing a lot of work and I was in grad school. I was doing a lot of writing and research. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't in grad school when it came out, but I bought it when it came out. I bought it on CD when it came out. Um, but then after, you know, whenever it was, I was working on a lot of research. I had this, this playlist called heavy writing, and it was like this entombed obituary celtic frost some other some other record i don't remember off the top of my head um but i like this record i, I when i hear people complain about certain parts of it i'm like i just kind of feel like they're they miss it i think that yeah. if you I, i'm i understand i feel like i understand where they're coming from and because of that the production doesn't bother me um and i still i mean i still put it on from time to time I, I I probably have listened to at least one or two songs off of this record this in the last couple of months. There's a couple tracks I like. Frantic, I mm -hmm. like. It's a good opener, and they they've played that live here and there. Yeah, like, I mean, you I know, think it, the, it's the 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 review that's either in Spotify or or Apple Music. I forget what it it kind of says like that it leans alternative or something. I think I think it leans punky, not necessarily alternative. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely like a. A more sort of uh, stripped down, underproduced, more sort of like direct, kind of thrash, punky sort of sound yeah. to it. And there, there are elements, a little, little groove metal sort of like you know, ape vocals and stuff going yeah. on there too. I've got some, some, some proclivities. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're on an airplane and a baby starts crying, and you're like, ah. But then as some as, as soon as some idiot starts getting really upset, then you start to enjoy it. You're like, okay, just <laughs> go like hell, baby. You know, just Yeah, just fuck him. <laughs> fuck him over. Get him. And and the reactions are are similar. You know, we threw this out to the Facebook yeah. group when, when we decided this. The reactions are all over the place. You know, it's uh, Tim, Tim from our Facebook group said it's taken 20 years, but I get it now. They would have just had if they would have just had the snare be a bit more traditional. It wouldn't have gotten the heat that it did. Mm. I think that's valid. But we're yeah. still we're still talking about that snare. 
but, but that's I, and well that, i and and i i think there's good reason for that david because this is the only metallica album that sounds this way yeah yeah it's and, not and again, it's not like they did this and they were like you know what this is this is what we're going to be going I, forward i've like, got we're bigger not guitar solos and it's going to be recorded like this this turned out fucking great like i've got instead, bigger problems i've got bigger problems with the with the bass drum sound in in justice for all and well again, dude <laughs> i mean me too but pick, pick bass so th this this is a really interesting uh characteristic of metallica and their fans is the sense that there are like a handful of like records really small handful that that basically all fans will say like these are perfect records do not fuck with them but you remember like people when when ride the lightning came out totally like sort of like piss themselves over fade to black it's like they're playing a slow song metal <laughs> is not supposed to be slow but metallica just like fuck you go platinum and they move on and it, it, and again metallica's you know the, the key to their success is that they they just do what they want to do and the fans follow them but the the, the fans are, are again as metal fans are, are want to be they're they're going to be very sort of opinionated and not really sort of appreciate the evolution or or kind of see like where the band as people as musicians are at this point and at this point when we come to Saint Anger we got a trio you know Bob yeah. Rock fills in on bass uh, and then, and all... that plays into the movie Mike that you mentioned you know yeah. this this album was created in a in a maelstrom like yeah. it, it's you know it, it was the band was tearing at the seams like mm -hmm. I, I think i think it could have gone either way that this was either going to be the next metallica record or the last metallica record and as far as jason newstead was con concerned it was his last metallica record he right. was like fuck this i'm out <laughs> right. and you know what i mean he doesn't have the patience to, going to start and, a country band if you watch yeah. some kind of monster, Kirk Hammett has the patience of a saint. Like, and, and even he loses it at some he, point. And too. even he's like, "God, you fucking guys!" And it's just like Lars and Kirk are just constant. Like to me, and, or, or Lars, sorry, Lars, Lars and, James. and James. I will say, it took. I don't know if it's bravery or just like chutzpah so, like like to put out a movie like that james looks like shit in that movie mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he looks petty he 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 looks like he looks like an addict who's coming out of who needs to go into rehab who then comes out of rehab and his problem is now everybody else's problem and mm -hmm. I, and it's and it's not it's not hey i went and i i worked on my shit it's like no you're the problem you're the problem you're the problem and they're like what the fuck and he's like and we're only going to work on the record from noon to two every day and they're like dude what is and he brings his doctor with him and now the doctor is like the psychiatrist <laughs> the band he's, he's, he's the like their life coach overnight shit. yeah like it, he it's everything short and of moving a sandbox into the studio and being like well this is what we're doing now like yeah, like, like a total Brian Wilson. 100%. I'm, I'm gonna, I am going to have to watch the doc. I bought oh, it, the documentary. It's, it's super interesting, David. It's really well made. And I gave it away. I never watched it. I cleared no, out my it, DVDs. It's, it's worth the watch. It's worth the watch because you're watching a band. This isn't some like garage band that's like, you know, try, trying to make their way to stardom. This is legit one of the biggest bands in the world giving a camera crew 
100% access. And they make this movie, and I guarantee you either either Metallica gave away Final Cut to the directors or they were just like, nope, this is how it was. Let's release it. And I'm glad they did. It's interesting. It, um, it, it, it totally is. And it's, it's worth, it, it, if people have seen it or they saw it 20 years ago, it's definitely worth revisiting because uh, it's it. There's some there are some tasty bits in there. Yeah, know? they uh, did. They didn't have a basis yet. You know, in that movie, they they show the rehearsals and the, the subsequent hiring of Rob Trujillo. But when they made this record, they were without a bassist, and they had already rescheduled the recording of San Anger <laughs> once. And then it came time up again, and and whether it was either the record label sort of leaning on them or them looking at the amount of money that they were losing by not right. going out on tour, they were like, what should we do? And Bob Rock actually offered up himself, and he's like, look, I, I don't need to join the band, but I'll play bass on the record, and they agreed. And so he co-wrote the songs I played, with them. I played bass for Molly Crew. I think I can pull this off. I, well, I you know they they had a certain trust. Their biggest record was recorded with him, so it's like you know it is. I think it's one of those sort of you know Bob Kulik, you know they, it's a guy they're already comfortable with. So it's like, yeah, do we yeah. need a bassist? You know, like we're going to turn the bass down anyway. Sure, you you can play. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever. And, and again, right. the, the producer already gets like what about a dollar a record. For sale. Depending on the producer, I mean, and, he's and, a big and, producer, and, and so Bob, he, he was definitely of, getting a percentage. Bob's Dude, I, can you can you imagine, there? Mike? Can you imagine if you got fired tomorrow and they replaced you with like just Bob some Rock. dude off the street? <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, I thought I Actually, was in the band. <laughs> David and I are doing a Zoom with John Five, like right after this. So, I mean, not it's weird, but uh, I, it was a relative success. It debuted at number one in fourteen countries and went on to sell Shit. six. Six million copies. Ship, ship double platinum. Yeah, and that's six million copies in in the age of Napster. And right. you know this this album actually got released a few days earlier than planned because they were afraid. I think I think it got leaked on Napster, and they were like, "Get it in the store. Like it's already yeah. you know it's been printed. Yeah. Start selling it." So Roll they the sold trucks. it four or five days early uh, just to get in front of that. Um, Mustaine looks like somebody's methed out girlfriend. That, that's all I got. Oh, you know, they, right. they toured for two years that after too. that. What's that? Mustaine shows up in the video too, or in the dog. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like for, <laughs> like, for, some, for some sort of like 12 step sort of like healing for James. Yeah. And how'd that go? <laughs> yeah. I think it worked. <laughs> Nothing changed. Like, yeah. Um, uh, God damn. Well, yeah, why, but, don't, why don't we spin it? Yeah. yeah and, and again, it. They, they, they put out videos. There were still videos. There were singles. There's four videos. Yep. Really? Um, they, they, they launched there the are. summer sanitarium the tour with uh like fucking uh lincoln Slipknot, park uh, lincoln park mud yeah Bane. so bands that you know uh, new metal bands let's call them contemporaries like, at the even, time you know um yeah so it wasn't like so they were definitely keeping up with the times um trying but and again I, you think about those bands now that they toured with mud Bane, <laughs> uh lint biscuit lincoln park and metallica is still headlining big bigger, bigger than all of them yeah they, i mean they, had lincoln park lincoln park would still be a big band to have that yeah no they, they 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 would still be lost their member they would you know like you, that's you, a dream lineup for colin and Colin threw his two cents in with us, and he likes this record too. I, he, of you know, he, li he liked when it came out, and uh, 
And I, I'm sure Summer Sanitarium was like a big deal <laughs> for Colin oh, with that oh, yeah. with that lineup. He loves Mudvayne, so uh, mm. you know I'm sure I'm sure that was a the blue a big man. One. I think I, I think I, I sort of remember going to that. Yeah, yeah. Even though I was I was starting to like get out of that scene a little bit. Um, yeah, I did I like think, Lincoln Park at the time, and I, I think, think the I, last saw time I saw Metallica, Metallica. They were it's like a Concord and Faith No More opened. That's a good show. That's like <laughs> 1990, maybe. We'll, we'll be seeing them again soon. Mm. Shit. Old men watching old men, except for David, <laughs> who's still on the fence. This is uh, what gets me off. Yeah, David's got a ticket for sale. If someone's looking. Uh, <laughs> okay. two, two tickets. Two tickets. Uh, count up to three. Count oh, up to okay. three. All right, there, there we, we go. Ready. Uh, uno, dos, tres. frantically descend and and if you look you know this is a long record by so by long. metallica standards it really is it's 75 minutes long um and it starts with starts with frantic at, at 550 to me best song on the record and and they have played this one a couple times live i, I really like this song i don't like the production as we mentioned the drum sound it just sounds odd so yeah. I remember I remember after Saint Anger came out, I, I think I told this story before. I ran I ran into Rick Rubin at Amoeba Records in Los Angeles and, and it had already been announced that he was gonna be recording the next Metallica record, which I think Death Magnetic was hardwired. My no, you're right, Death Magnetic. And uh and we we were talking a bit and I was like, just just make him do solos again. And he he was stroking his beard and he smiled and he goes, yeah, I think that's gonna happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, I I think they, as an experiment, maybe and maybe this plays into their their contemporaries at the time. Maybe the the extended heavy metal guitar solo was a little passe. Uh, it was kind yeah. of like having long hair, I for, guess. Right. For, for the pool that they were trying to swim in at the time, in the early 2000s, maybe they just made a conscious effort to say, you know, I, our contemporaries aren't doing much of that. Maybe maybe we try something else. And, and again, I, 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 I kind of appreciate the move. It, it, it seems like... And again, because they, they've always... They've always done it their own way, and, and then there's always the motherfuckers who are just gonna like second guess them and saying like, "Why don't you just make Master of Puppets Part 2? But I don't know because we don't want to. We need to. You know, it's just sort of like that's that's just how that goes. Um, you know, and and they went through the whole sort of like rock rock Metallica sort of stage, you know, with the. You know, post black record and the, and the and the load record, and those records sold. I was just and, gonna say they had success. Memory they, remains and things they, like that. Again, they were it's like, yeah, the black record, black album sold fifty million fucking copies. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, now you're gonna tell this band like what to do? No, yeah, they, they they just decide at that point, right? But. Uh, you know, and, and again, people could like second guess it and say it's not metal enough for me, or it's, it's a little weird, or it seems like you know. The, the, again, all these just sort of like it, it, it doesn't add up because 
what they end up doing really well is like making lots of money. You know, and everybody else is just still trying to keep up with them. I'm trying to get my things set up here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of thoughts I have here, right? So the first thing is the cover of this record. Start with the cover. Okay. Let's start with the cover of the record. I'll tell you why it's, the cover. It's, it's Pusshead. Yeah. Was, so was the artist. Who glad to see. I mean, honestly, glad yeah. to see Pusshead back, right? Because yeah. there's been in our lifetime so many bad metal record covers. I'm glad to see Pusshead back because yep. the dollar store Pusshead album covers that have been coming out for a long time have got to go. Um, and I feel like it's nice to have him reeling it back in and be like, you know what, you can just draw like your artist to. Yep. Um, but I remember reading something that they were like, they named it. Why'd you call it St. Anger? He's like, well, I've got this thing that I wear around my neck. And I'm like, okay, now it's stupid. <laughs> now I think it's stupid. Um, what, what, what was t- talking about the cover, the original plan was to release it in four different ways, four different color ways of the same illustration. They scrapped that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, apparently the, the fist thing is, like, the St. Anger fist that he wears on a pendant around his neck. And I'm like, eh, I, I, eh whatever. But, you know, yeah, this, it, this ends up being, like, a really personal record, uh, you know, basically built on, as a lot of, like, some really great, uh, you know, songs. You know, James Hetfield's personal trauma, the, the things he, you know, deals with in terms of, like, his substance abuse, uh, you know, his, his sort of background as uh, Seventh-day Adventist, um, you know, so it's like, it, he's got a lot of pent-up rage and stuff. It's not like phony, you know, manufactured metal rage. It's like, it, 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 this This is a really sort of like Sylvia Plath confen- <laughs> confessional sort of record where it's it's pretty naked and bare. Like, he, this, this is like straight out of his journal, it seems. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's kind of, it's kind of insightful and admirable, too. Yeah. And, it, and again, it kind of comes into the whole sort of like, you know, life coach healing and you know, taking a year off to do rehab and go bear hunting in Alaska and uh, in Russia too. Yeah, I, I feel like that note was was pretty apt, saying that you know if they would have approached the sound a different way, there's some decent songs. It wouldn't get the rap that it gets because the songs aren't bad. They're not. They're Metallica songs. They don't yeah. sound. You know, outside of not having a solo or or kirk's kirk's you know the sound of metallica you know one of one of the bedrocks to a metallica sound is the wah-wah sort of playing of, of kirk hammett and that's not really present here yeah it's, it's a, lo- a lot of heavy riffing a lot of heavy riffing yeah. and, which and is james riffing too. it's really this is a, <laughs> it's a james hetfield solo record it's definitely like, like yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah. a lot of rhythm riffing yeah uh, where, where where are we yeah. we're on saint Anger. we're about a we minute almost, almost a minute into saying but you know here's the thing it's like you listen to that snare sound that everybody is ragging on that snare sound he plays that snare that way it's not the production man it's not this prescient in this song i think i think but even also in- frantic just like puts it front and center it's yeah it's, you know, but it's it's really like if you listen to it 
it comes out to the front when he's like really hitting those rim shots. But then throughout the verses, he backs off and he hits it more in the center of the head. And it's a little more of a pop than it is the ringing sound. Yeah, yeah. He does it here as well. I just really feel like the thing that I respect about this is they're making choices to play these songs like a high school punk band would play these songs. Like that riff in in Frantic, that riff in Frantic where it goes, instead of playing that like lower on the guitar where you've got like a more stable guitar sound, he plays that really high up on the low string and it sounds super out of tune. Like that choice to do that is like a super punk rock choice. Like I want this to sound weird. I want to play hard as hell. My bigger beef about the drums is it sounds like the cymbals are not mic'd. And there's no control over what they sound like. I think and, the symbols sound like it, crap. In, in the production way. notes, that's that's exactly it. Like Bob Rock said, like a lot of this stuff is just like roughly recorded. Like you know, and, and the whole like the, the, the snare doesn't have like the rattle. <laughs> they, they didn't have time to fine tune it. James would only let him work two hours a day. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the snare isn't in the bottom of the drum, so it has that like sort of like tin can sort of feel to it. It's like yeah, it's. It, 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 it's intense. It's intense music. It's emotionally, lyrically intense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I used to be, for as much gear as I own and have owned in my life, I choose to be a gear idiot. Like, I, I go to a gig, I plug my guitar in, and I play. I don't do any work on my guitars. And I took my guitars to the to the shop over in Port Richmond, and the guy's like, yeah, whoever did this, like, did this totally wrong. And I'm like, oh, yeah, really? That's weird. I'll have to talk to that guy. Because, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, my guitars are like they're out of tune. They're set up really poorly. And I just play them and don't think about them. And some of them, like, they just feel like crap and they sound weird. Um, and I kind of feel like this record is, is a lot like that. Like, they just showed up. Because it's not like... It's not like you couldn't get this drum kit or the guitars to sound better. They just chose to play them this way. Yeah, no. And I like that. These are millionaires who who, who, who sold millions of records. And they're just sort of like, let's do it this way. And again, when this this record came out, people who were like, kind of like, Jesus, they were like overloaded with the load records and the rock talica. It's like, give me more. This yeah. this is good. This is, it seemed like, and then you go from here, and then it takes like five years, eight years to get to Death Mag- uh, Magnetic. But okay, this this is this is what the the new world of like online music and no MTV looks like. I like the yeah. Saint Anger song too, I, and I guess I totally forgot this or just don't remember it. But they yeah. have like those nice allusions to Damage Incorporated. Right. Fucking yeah. All, and, fucking no regrets. Yeah. But you last time they played this, I'm looking at Setlist FM, and it looks like the two that they've played the most from this record are Frantic and Saint Anger. Uh, They've they've played them each about 200 times. Saint Anger, the last time, uh, it's like eight years ago. Um, I don't know. You know, given the way their tour is structured this year, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Oh no, no, I I, I think yeah, this this and Frantic are definitely going to get some action here. Yeah, I mean, it, but you can listen. Like, that snare disappears. 
Like the snare that everybody hates yeah, so much. You're, you're right, David. I it think, disappears. I think it's that, it's that initial introduction. Ding, you know ding, what I mean? Ding, I, I, ding, there, there's probably a lot of people that started with Frantic and were like, what the fuck? And, and then just took it out. Oh, <laughs> like, there's, there's that, there's that, exactly. There's that great scene in the dock too, where uh, Lars's dad visits them in the studio. And he's like, and Lars is just like, just like such a like, so happy daddy that you're here and i want to show you like here's the opening track of our, of our new song <laughs> frantic and, and the dad is just sort of like sitting there stroking his gandalf beard kind of going um, so one word i have to like describe for this song that i would give is like delete it's like, dude fucking hardcore yeah See, That's David's it. warming up to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I mean, I definitely want to watch it. I just, I, I never got around to it, and then I cleared out my DVDs. You, you, like get a, you get a sense of, like, Lars's, you know, his his sort of, uh, his determination to, like, make something out of himself, for like, trying to please Daddy, and even yeah, as sure. a billionaire, he's, he's like, and then they, then, then they go to, like, the, the Basquiat auctions, where Lars is the guy who's auctioning off his million dollar, thirty million dollar Basquiat paintings, and and his dad still is just like delete son. You were a failed dentist, are? <laughs> that's my Danish accent. That's that's pretty good. That's that's uh, we should use that again. Yeah. But you know it, the other thing that that strikes me is 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 um James is singing louder than is necessary. You know what I mean? He's singing like his like his headphones are too loud, and he's trying to hear himself. And I think that I think that what comes across, and I you know I'm sure it's on purpose. The the emotion and the raw nature and the anger really comes through <laughs> in yeah. these songs. I love it when when people. I think it's John, it's John sing Paul or you call it like it's like the it's like the Hetfield you know solo project, and it's. It's definitely, you know, his, his gig. Are we on to uh, some kind of monster yet? In four seconds. All right, here we go. Oh, we got eight minutes. So, you know, if you guys got to. Whoa, yeah, I'm going to have to. John's got to put, put a couple of miles on. A sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- and this is a this is a really interesting song in uh, in, in the dock too. And, and again, we keep referring to the dock because it's basically like what you'd see in the in the black uh, video in the black album, the making of the album documentary too. It's Bob Rock working with the guys doing producer stuff, all documented. And I think they imagined that it would all be sort of like sweet and nice, just like the black album was, but. Uh, it's there's like lots of struggles and you know you see bob like working to like pull ideas out of james and turn them into lyrics and turn the lyrics into melodies and all this and th- this song is like it, it, it comes out in, in a really interesting way and, and, and again all credit yeah, there's some wor- there's some work in this record for sure yeah, yeah. that it's it's interesting because like that that little guitar solo at the beginning of this has that like bleeped out fuzz tone 
yeah. in there, and it's very reminiscent of like Mud Honey and early Soundgarden. Like it's, it's, it's very it's much like little, uh, first couple of years of sub pop. These guys would like overblow their amps, or they'd have these little boutique yeah, fuzz like pedals. Yeah, little, little little intentionally smudgy sound to it, but this is intentionally smudgy, not because yeah. they have bad equipment. But uh, so here comes some kind of monster. For which there was a single and I guess a video. There was a video for Frantic and St. Anger, so topping yeah. off the three there. Yeah, wasn't we got, I think I was watching MTV at this point in my life. Yeah, Going that's, back to, that's, that's what I was like sort of alluding to at the beginning is it, it came out in a strange time when we're, yeah. you know, we're in career yeah, and, mode. And, yeah, and, we were, and, and, uh, we didn't even MTV have cable. MTV wasn't playing then. a whole lot of videos in the 2000s. True. Was it, was it the Frantic like video that was shot at the, at the prison? No, that was before that. That's Saint Anger. That's Saint Anger. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the guys who directed that, I produced for them for years. Uh, They're they're called the Malloys. It's two brothers, and coincidentally, and I think it was probably just because of the anniversary of the album. uh, There was a story about how uh, the Night Stalker was in San Quentin (laughs) at the time while they were doing the Metallica record, and they would not let him come. Oh, to the video shoot, and he was pissed about it. And I saw this story, and I sent it to Emmett Malloy, one one of the directors of the video. And I was like, "You see this?" And he's like, "Dude, that is fucked up." <laughs> he's like, he he said it. He said it was really a, a wild, a wild video shoot. That it, you know, it was the band's idea, and it, look, it, look, uh, it looks it looks very wild. Yeah, he, he said it, it, it was uncomfortable, you know, that it, it was because I asked them about it years ago when when they were doing it. And it was one of those things that it was like the band wanted to do it. I, I think Danny Clinch went in with them, the photographer, and and, and uh, it was either Danny or uh, or who's the, who's the other who's the British photographer who shoots them all the time. Uh, the Ann Gettys. No. Yeah, <laughs> like when it, when he puts puts Lars in a banana peel. Um, uh, um, and anyway, like uh, it, it was basically you know the Malloys and and their small crew. Uh, Ross Alvin, that's who I was thinking of. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, it was Ross. So so it's like you know Ross has shot Metallica for decades, and and he was there, and and the Malloys did this video. The video is pretty cool. But I mean, it's also it's just one of those things where if, I think if you're shooting something like that, you are at the whim of the situation. Yeah, you don't go in thinking like we're going to frame this and we're going to do that. And we're gonna, <laughs> you're like, like this shit's a little bit life and death. I mean, you're literally like, you know, it's a it's a dangerous situation. You're surrounded by murderers. Yes, you're surrounded by yeah. murderers. And it's, it, it, and it's not like uh, Johnny Cash live at San Quentin either. Where like the guys are sitting in folded chairs, and no, guys with billy clubs it's like tiers of guys, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's like it's an impressive video. Like those guys are very good directors; they know what they're doing. But um, yeah, I, it, it was just sort of an interesting aside when I saw that Night Stalker thing this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of, and again, rest in peace, Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Wow. Yeah, so many milestones this week on the show. Pat Robertson. Oh, Richard Ramirez. Nice soccer's been dead for a long time. He's been dead for a long time. 
but uh, yeah, he's probably at the same place with uh, Pat Robertson. Yeah, which is listening to ACDC. Yeah, they're just in the ground. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any like mythical vengeance to visit upon people. They just they just rot, as we all know. But uh, this song just kind of like again, like we it's. It, it works out to be eight and a half minutes, but like, is this eight and a half minutes? Like eight and a half minutes? Like uh, metallic eight and a half minutes? It, it, it's it's just like it's it's a it's a it's a bit much. Mike, you know what this is, and you know why it's too long and it just keeps going because no, they're all fucking afraid of James on the, on this album. Like <laughs> it's like you see, like even if they make normal comments, he flies off the handle. So if someone came to him and they were like, look, it's in the monster. It's not a bad song, but it's like three minutes too long. Fuck you. You're Fuck the you problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? By Jack Daniels. That's, that's the thing is this album. It's like, like I said, it's either the next Metallica album or the last. And I think it was one of those ones where it was just like, well, because you see Kirk in the movie. And half the time, Kirk's just like, fuck, Kirk, man. Kirk's like, like I would a, rather be, like, he, he looks riding like a, my horse or surfing. or like I'd rather be horse. anywhere and than he just, making he just, this he record. Just looks, he looks like a beaten puppy. He's like, no, I'm not going to say anything. Whatever you want, I'll do it. And again, that's, that's, he's, Kirk, he's, Kirk is just like a just a genuinely like nice, sweet guy. He, yep. he, his ego is in the right place. Uh, where it's just sort of like I'm I think not, it's the only way to survive in a in a band like Metallica. Yeah, especially when you're the again when you join Metallica as Kirk does, you join Lars and James. Yes, right. So like you're already in that relationship, so you're always going to be third, um, you know, and then you know, and then Cliff. And he was really fourth behind Cliff until right. you know. Well, and again, mean? like. It's, it's it's like it's like it's like Simmons and Stanley. It's like it's right. their band, and you're just along for the ride. Um, so you have to like ride the wave, Kirk. But uh, yeah, this again. It's like this, maybe this is like the sort of thing that kind of like turned me off this record. Like frantic is tight. Saint Anger is a, is a little bit longer, but it's it, it has a sort of like epic feel to it. But this, this just like this is a song that you would expect to like be song three on side two. Yeah. It just drags. It just I can't drags wait for it to be on. It's kind of kind of a good good quote here from a, one of the reviews said it's a punishing, unflinching document of internal struggle, taking listeners inside the bruised yet vital body of Metallica, ultimately revealing the alternative torturous and defiant demons that wrestle inside of Hetfield's brain. I think that gives Hetfield way too much credit. Dude, watch watch the movie that we're talking about and then come back and tell us that it doesn't give Hetfield too much credit because this this album is him. Yeah. It really is. Like the the other guys, like I said, he comes in with this psychiatrist who like starts <laughs> laying down rules. This guy is like it's like he's one of the band's managers or something now and it's like and he's telling Kirk or he's telling Lars and he's telling Kirk like, yeah, well, James is done for the, the day at four o'clock. So you guys are done too. And they're like, the fuck? And, and, and Lars is like, I'm going to go in and work on the drums. And, and James is like, no, you can't do that. Like you can't, you can't work on the album 
without me when I'm done. Like we're done. It's <laughs> weird, man. It's really, and it, it's a, it's a, it, and, it, and it's classic sort of like early, <laughs> you know, you know, 20s, uh, sort of like reality TV dysfunction with therapist on stage. It's just, it's. This is dirty windows that we got here, track four. This is like, like, st- stop, stop hitting him. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> this this song's a much tighter sort of. Uh, At five twenty five, it's a, it's a breezy five and a half minute. <laughs> Sandwiched in between eight twenty five and eight thirty, like it is. It's too yeah. long. Yeah, but Dirty Windows punches it just right. And it has like those little breaks, just like St. Anger does, where it's sort of like James's vocals get into these like nice melodic moments. There's no, there, again, there's no solos, but there are like some breakdown yeah. uh, that, that gives its song a little bit more texture. And this is a song that they still, they still perform from time to time. None of this so far to me is abjectly bad. Yeah. None of of this, it's not offensive. It's like David's saying, like, it's not a bad record. It it got beaten into the ground at the time. I'm coming to it with fresh ears at least a decade later. I don't know. It's all right. It sounds like a Metallica record to me. It sounds like a Metallica record. It sounds like a Metallica record. Not an especially great Metallica record. Well, you know, it, it, it's it, it misses. It's the, the problem is that is the 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 level of growth that we saw over their first four records is thrown completely out the window. Yep. You know, this is. I and mean, you're talking a about short time too. That level of growth was like what five years? Yeah, I mean, it, you, you talk about that being you know James kind of raw and out there, you know. You just gotta wonder, like he's been holding this in for how long? He's like, I'm either gonna play this for five minutes or I'm gonna kick your butt for five minutes. <laughs> so shut up. Yeah. But, but I think, and I think the other aspect of this record too is, in, in terms of the production goes too, and as, as Bob Bob Rock has said, it's like these are guys who like they jam, they start off jamming in garages, just they would just jam songs, and then that would be it. Right. Anybody who wants to go back and listen to Kill 'Em All and think that these this, these are all really highly polished classic songs is just not paying attention. They, these are like relatively like really crude jam songs yeah. that have you know they, they they're they're only classic because they have Metallica on them. But uh, it's quite a long time they took a break before this record. Yeah, because because load and reload were pretty much recorded at the same time. Originally, that was going to be a double record, and right. and they they delayed it by a year. So you know their recording session for that was ninety six, ninety seven. Death Mag or sorry, Saint Anger doesn't come along till two thousand three. So you know you're looking at six, seven years. And, and 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 so and so what you see is like you see a band in, 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 again in the doctor is very revealing. It's like they come in with like. No material. Right. So this is like starting over, starting from scratch in a way. So it's kind of like, you know. You you, you you make no offhand, Mike, when Newstead leaves. 
like what year that is? Uh, shit, I, 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 I think it was on the on the Wikipedia that he, he left. Uh, I'm going to look right now. 2001. Before they went into the studio. Yeah, so they're touring 2001. So they're they're looking at two years without a bassist before they, before they well, or at they least a they, year they, before they They weren't really recording. doing anything either. Yeah. I, I don't even know if they were touring. Um, I, I think, I think when i think when they came off the tour in 2001 that was that that's when newstead left yeah and 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 again um here comes invisible kid i might be a few seconds ahead of you guys no you're with us uh just starting now it's so long settle in dave get yourself a hot toddy maybe a blanket oh yeah this yeah this is again a song that for all the frenetic uh here, here's the pro here's that sound yeah the drums are front and center again like frantic like this is problematic but that sounds horrible but but, it, it, but in a way like and again i kind of remember listening to this back in uh 20 years ago kind of going like this i haven't heard this before it just it just sounded like really Raw and primal. It just it was it was a lot more immediate. And again, it, it was kind of like my, my first time listening to uh, the really slickly overproduced drums on uh, and Justice, where it's like, is this like a drum band? Yeah. You know, we're like the, the, the dr- you go back and you listen to like any of the the, the tracks on, on side one. Um, and it's like, man, all you hear are the drums. A lot of drums, and, yeah. And, and all the drum fills, and it's just sort of like, I, I, I can't fight injustice though. I love that record. I know, I, I love that record too. But it, but it, but but you begin noticing too that like, sure, that, if you start to pick it apart, like like the burger tastes great, but then you look at it and you're like, there's like one too many patties in this thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean the other thing it's missing, it's missing rhythm guitar. Too much Everybody's playing riffs. That's yeah. that, no, I. It's not missing rhythm. It's it's missing lead. Kirk is absent. Yeah, but there's, but there's, it's not, it's not the, the, the solos, man. It's like in this section that we're listening to now, everybody's on riffs, and usually you would have the bass and the rhythm guitar clicking with the drums. There's no, there's no bass fills in there. There's, it's just kind of. It's too, it's too stark. I mean, I think in any, in any Metallica record, if you pulled one of the rhythm tracks out. But it, you but would get yeah, that it really exposed drum sound, and that's what you have. But this is this is what they were aiming for. Um, yeah, it is by design. The fact that it's twenty years old, kind of like, would they do this again? Clearly, they haven't. Uh, no, they didn't do that Lou Reed thing again either. But the, but these little vocal interludes too with James too are like they're really good. It, it shows too, like during the, you know his sessions with Rock beginning with the the, the, the black record uh, all the way through the load record but he's turned into like a really good singer with a, yeah he's with actually a singing good range yeah you could get down there you could get down there low and, and do the angry you know sort of like growly voice but he could like carry a tune too we've talked about that yeah i think yeah. as the years go by Hatfield has taken an active role in keeping his voice strong and actually expanding it sounds yeah. better now than he did when he was a kid yeah yeah but i mean you can it's it's just straight like these little strange insertions right like that that like soft vocal thing 
you know, yeah. that, that weird, like, fuzzy guitar solo thing. Like, it's just like... I don't know. It's just it seems impulsive. It seems oddly inspired by like you know like that Foo Fighters sound that was coming strong in the early two thousands, right? It was like when it when Foo's kind of first started to, to really break, they sounded like a, a a new and improved version of like Dinosaur Junior and Jay Maskus almost, right? With that singing style that he had early on. Yeah. And it's like there's a little bit of that right there. That yeah. these, these oh, like it's, long it's, smooth yeah. things are like. Where are you getting this from, man? It's like, it, it, this is not Metallica. Like alternative metal. That's, that's Bob Rock. It, 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 it really is. Hey, you know what would be nice right here? a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you know, it puts it into you know, this, this Metallica machine. It's... Bob Rock's like Liberace. I'm just going to play a little flourish over here. I don't, yeah, I do not like Bob Rock. I don't know. Like I, I can't think of like a Bob Rock record that I'm like, oh god, I love that record. Come on, there must be one. Do you love Doctor Feelgood? Eh, not really. Do you, <laughs> it's fine. Do you love like, like the, the first? I, I would say record? that the album that comes closest to me really liking of his discography, I'm looking at it now, is Skid Row's Subhuman Race. How about uh, the first uh, Kingdom Come record? It is a good it's, record. It's fine. It's got two songs on it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? He did the Cult Sonic Temple. That's a good record. That yeah, is a good record. He's, he's, yeah. I love yeah. the vocal production on That's that That's a good album. David loves The Little Ain't Enough. He did that. Yeah. It's I, you know, I don't love A Little Ain't Enough. I like that well, one there you song. Go. Scratch that off the list. Sensible Shoes. Uh, he good song. With, he worked with my boys, American Hi-Fi, on a record. Uh, hey, a lot of this is just like early 2000s sort of garbage. Yeah. He's made a lot of money, but it's not stuff I like. <laughs> I, You know what I mean? It's fine. He, he's, he's, he reminds me of like the... Remember there was that story about the the doctor who ran the, the reproductive clinic who like filled the vials with his own semen? He's like oh, that. just he's, just inserting himself a little bit too much into every. He's that record. guy. He's yeah, like, you're somewhere, not wrong. Somewhere he's got like a, a resume that he keeps on like all the records he played on, and they're like, yeah, but didn't you produce this record? Like, yeah, yeah, but in, I played keyboards fa- and sang fact, on it. In in John Five's Motley Crew, Bob Rock will be playing bass. Yeah, <laughs> like when when Nikki Six is out. So, I mean, he he's done a lot of work with Motley Crue. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's done a lot of work with a lot of. If but... you, yeah, if you look at his discography, it's like he was like the go-to guy for like middling rock all of the '90s. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, and a lot of the 2000s. But it's just like a bunch of shit that's like whatever. Like he's doing the Offspring and the Tragically Hip. Who the fuck wants to hear that? <laughs> Not me. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know, but I do think you make a good point. He's a little too involved. He's just like, you, you know, there's always that one guy. Like, you probably get that guy like on set every so often. He's like, hey, you need me to, you need me to be an extra in this scene. No, you know who that always is. It's always the production assistants. There's always some some intern or a PA who's just out of film school, and he's staring at a DP who's literally making like you know four million a year, and he's going, I don't know if I would have made that choice. Like, oh really? <laughs> Cool. Should should we send him home? 
Yeah, it's a Invisible it's, Kid is still playing. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange song to be this long. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> it, it, it is kind of, you know, it's like I, I walked away with the ear pods. Like, this is a really interesting, weird song. Um, and of course, it's just, it's just so uh, thinly veiled autobiography. Oh, uh, you see, I was gonna say. Dave, you start you starting to get the whiff of the uh, James Hetfield solo record yet? <laughs> I was going to say it's our last eight-minute song, but there's another one coming. <laughs> 72 <laughs> Seasons might be the sequel to St. Anger <laughs> that we're uncovering. Like, yeah. well, Dude, we're, I, I, I'm I just waiting for like the middle of this show. Like The lights are going to come down. screen's going to pop up. He's going to show videos of him like training border collies, rounding yeah. up, drinking some beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I and I, and I think this 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 kind of like playing a little guitar, like you know, like uh, invisible kid acoustic. You know, most of the lyrics for like Metallica songs uh, from here on like tend to kind of skew more James sort of like oh exercising psychotherapy rest yeah just doing psychotherapy yeah. stuff, which which makes it kind of interesting, but at some point just becomes kind of monotonous and also just sort of like takes a little bit of the like the original sort of creativity out of the songs like you yeah think of yes and like, no I mean, I mean it's like we we do laugh about some of the bands where it's like you know like bang your head upon the stage <laughs> like, you know where, where it's just like like dumb heavy metal lyrics versus the fact that like for his entire career Hetfield has been a pretty solid lyricist yeah. it was just in the second half of his career that I think things became a bit more biographical than they were exploratory. Yeah. He didn't have the life experience behind him yet to be autobiographical on the early albums. But the lyrics on those albums are still good. Mustaine's <laughs> oh, sure. like, what's uh, this song about getting no, ready to guitar but, but player? They are. You, you look at the lyrics on, on Lightning and you look at the lyrics on especially Master of Puppets, like, those are very good lyrics for, they're, for a kid in his lyrics, early but, 20s. But, but, they're, but they're lyrics too where it's like, find James Hetfield in any of those lyrics. You probably can. Like, a little like, bit. Definitely yeah, like yeah, uh, dude. A, a Dyer's Eve. That song is basically about like his, his upbringing. But like they have like all those great Tulu songs, yeah. Right? Which which comes back on the, the hardwired to self destruct with Tulu Rising, yeah. But I mean, Mike, Michael, you know this stuff. Like everything these guys, any everything anybody writes, it's you know, it's either a it's either a dream or a confession, right? It's like these. This is all him, what he wants to be or what he is, and. Yeah. But, but 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 some of the songs were just also about being trapped under ice. <laughs> Some of the songs are just about banging your head on the stage. And yes, there, that, that could find yourself in my lyrics. See, I, I, I think when they moved to Rick Rubin on the next record, that was a good idea. Uh, so we, we moved on to uh, my world, which yeah, again of is course. The, the, the James Hetfield world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who's, who's the my in this, James? Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, you watch that movie, Dave. Um, yeah, okay, I, you okay. know, when they moved to Rick Rubin on the next record, like, it was a shot in the arm. Death Magnetic, I think, is a really good record. It totally is. And, yeah. yeah. And again, it was, again, another opportunity for people to say, like, and now they're returning to form. It's like, there's no returning to form. It's just, it's Metallica is going to be Metallica. To, like, or the sort of, like, you know, molten 
or into the Crucible. It's going to come out something a little bit different, but it's going to yeah. it's going to sound like Metallica, but it's going to disappoint you. <sighs> and then James and Kirk produced Hardwired in seventy-two seasons. So, yeah. and and those records are great too. Those I completely great. agree. I like they're, them both. They're you know, and again for like twenty, we're talking here twenty years, and you got like one, two, three, four records. Yeah. 20 years okay a long break i think you know there was five years in between uh five years in between death magnetic and san anger and eight years in between hardwired right and seven to, to 72 seasons so it's yeah. like yeah they're becoming like Haley's comet like every seven years they come <laughs> around you know but it, but again as, as we know it wasn't like they, they weren't touring and touring is where you make money. Nobody, you know. Sure. It, it, you know, in this day and age, you know. Uh, touring is where you make money, and to their credit, they are not. They are the opposite of the Def Leppard Motley Crue tours that we were talking about. When Metallica goes out, every night is a different show. Every right. night is a solid performance. Nothing is called in. Uh, I think they give it their all every night, I would say. I've never seen a bad Metallica show, and I don't expect to in August. Yeah. And, 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 and again, the fact that they continue to put out new music and it to be like uh, quality new music. Relevant. Yeah. Re- relevant enough that it's like, it's not sort of like, okay, here's one song off the new record, and then they just sort of like rest on the laurels of their, uh, of their catalog. Is, is like pretty impressive. Yeah. No. Should, not, not should, many, should we just switch to over that. to seventy-two seasons? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's, let's we'll, 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 we'll probably end up doing that once once we've all had a chance to see. That's the true. Show, right, we'll David? do a tour a tour edition. I, I, you know, I, the, like like we've been saying, I don't I don't think these songs are bad. It's a decent record, but it's it's way too long. Every song is too long by a couple minutes. Yeah, it, it, it's it, 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 it's for all the like I said, like for like the frenetic playing of it and the intensity of you know the the, the emotional effusions that come in the lyrics. It's just it should just be more punchy and less sort of like drag out raw. Again, there's no solos, but there's there's still a lot of excess here, but. Like, what was the last punk song that you ever listened to that was, like, eight and a half fucking minutes long? Yeah, no. David has some mm. albums that are shorter than this song. It's like <laughs> the Minuteman, right? It's true, yeah. I mean, they could have taken a, taken a few pages out of the um, Napalm Death book on this, right? All right I think yes. we're on to Shoot Me Again, and we the name would be James. This is a little bit of a banger, no pun intended. <laughs> Oh, some bass. A little bass in there. There's, there's, there's some Bob Rock bass in there. That's his ringtone. Like, that that amount of bass there is more than they gave Newstead on all of Injustice for All. <laughs> you could never even hear Newstead. I still, didn't you, didn't you remix that album, David? Didn't no, somebody did. No, somebody did. Bump it up a little bit? No, I, I, I remixed the uh, I, I, there's Live After Death. Oh, right. 
There's been various online sort of uh, takes at uh, Injustice for All to tweak that a little bit. Yeah, like the, 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 a lot of online producers have gone and like, here, now here's yeah. the Metallica that we all wanted. I, but I don't, it's, it's such a good record that with that one, I'm willing to overlook the production issues. Yeah, I, again, like, I, I think most, shit people, that I most, people were dis, most people were disappointed because, like, you you totally hear Newstead's bass in the you know, the garage re revisited uh, EP. Yeah, and it, it is really twangy, and it's right there up front. And then you get and he the, was already like, respected. It wasn't like he was a new guy. You know what I mean? People well, knew he was who the he new was. Kid. He was right. They didn't even call him Jason Newstead. They just called him Jason New Kid. And it's like okay, <laughs> welcome to you know the James and Lars gang. And Kirk is just sort of like. Hi, Jason. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird feeling. Like, this is a little groove metally. This this song here. Yeah. Gotta like this. You, you can you can you Me can either. taste you can scent a little Fred Durst in the air. Yeah. It's everything short of him starting the song. Like, check it out. <laughs> oh shit. Where where it is where it is hat backwards hey. and shit. Yeah. And, and like. <laughs> Threatening to break shit. His red New York Yankees hat. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dude. You're they don't make Giants now. hats in red, luckily. All the shots! All the shots! I, a lot of these songs, and it, and it may be a reflection of, of sort of the fractions happening within Hetfield's head and in the band at the time, they're, they're Megadeth-like in a way where these aren't complete <laughs> songs like you know some of these songs some of the eight minute nine minute songs on this record they're sketches yeah like they're they're, so they're movements of where it's like you know what you take this little section right here take that and add another minute and a half to it or two minutes and you've got a different song than the rest of this thing where it's just like we're gonna do a little bit of rapping here and then then here's this here's a break and then here's this like I, I wonder because of the, the sort of fragile situation with Hetfield, if it would have been a, a working band on better terms with maybe a little stronger producer, if they would have had the time within the studio to flesh things out more, if they didn't have the emotional baggage that came in with this, and granted, it's hard to remove that because that's what the entire record yeah, is. Yeah, there's, there's, so again, there's lots of ifs, a lot of rethinking. A hundred percent, but it's like, is is there is there the seeds of, of a better record? Yeah, I, I think that, that's a really good point, John. And like like I was saying, we, we came to like the some kind of monster song. It's like that was a song that, that felt like you said, like, like kind of like a sketch. It felt like, and you you see it fully documented where James has to have like the words literally pulled out of his mouth by Bob Rock, and he's like, well, "What's it feel like? What's it feel like? It feels like some kind of some kind of what, James? It feels like some kind of some kind of monster, Bob." And it's like, <laughs> that's the title of the song now let's do it and they start jamming and it's like right okay so that's that's a good start but ultimately it, it, it doesn't it, yeah that's what it. i mean the process is so difficult that it's like just the fact that they're getting anything recorded it's like eh, they look over the shoulder and kirk's like whatever dude like right like i just want to go surfing can i get out of here and, <laughs> and lars is like how much time do we have left in our two hours today 
And yeah. Bob Rock's like, well, I guess this is a song. I got to auction you know like, mean? Yeah, 18 in an hour. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. But like it, here, you've, you've got a nice piece here. You know, you've got this nice rhythm, but it's like, it's completely incongruous with the rapping at the beginning of the, of the song. Yeah, well, I, I think yeah, that's that's the whole thing. It's you know, for for all the, the I guess the argument that Lars made for like uh, removing all oh the solos gosh, so was cool. like it would sound like dated, but like it, and the it, Kurt, this is a new song started again. This is a. It's standard. not. No. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, no. So you, we're in the threw, middle of shoot me again, but it's basically a new song. Then. Yeah, it's I, so I just strange. Want, I just want him to like just start up with just saying like Street Hustle comes up to me one day and I'm walking down the street minding my own business. That would be hot. But uh, yeah, I mean, what's your pouring there, Dave? I uh, get a little black bush. Ooh, a little black bush. Good nice. for what? Good for what ails you? There you um, go. He's got to finish it. Like, we can only record the podcast from 2 to 4 each day, so before our life coach comes in, get that down. So so here's the thing. You know, when you're in a situation where one of the guys in the band is crazy, and you realize that he's the most important guy in the band. It's the guy who sings the songs and writes the lyrics? Yeah. It's a really strange situation, right? Where it's like... You know, I, like I remember being in a band and like the drummer couldn't make it. We were like, well, let's rehearse anyway, and we rehearsed and we we're like, we suck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and and, and so you, you, you kind of need that madness, I think. And and again, it's it's it, it, it's something. Maybe that's just sort of like the the, the the madness of being a creative genius or a musical genius too. It's just sort of like. You're, you're always going to be a little bit off. You're going to be a little Van Gogh. You're going to be a little Mozart. You're going to be kind of crazy. Yeah. You're going to be kind of crazy. Well, that's, I mean, we're getting into what? That's a Sweet Amber? Sweet Amber. I like this song. Yeah. I think I remember liking this one. Yeah, this one's pretty good. Starts out sounding like a clutch song, though. Maybe it's I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the dude to be like, well, you don't want to say something. <laughs> Amber, Amber, Amber. Right, What's what? Is it coming yet? I'm like twenty. You might, be, you might be low on the mix, Mike. But like it's yeah. yeah, we're we're into it. No, I'm into it now. Yeah. yeah. Twenty six seconds before I heard it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a. That's an interesting idea, you know, about like the crazy, the, the the part of being creative that is dealing with the crazy, right? And that's, you know, I've always kind of described it as, you know, on the, in the old days of like the super trains and the coal trains, like the guys who are shoveling coal into the, into the furnace are the guys that get hurt. You know what I mean? Because they're dealing, in, they're in, they're dealing intimately with what it is that drives the train and i kind of feel like you know the artist uh, you know and i think it's strange to put pop artists and metal artists on these pedestals but you know people who are dealing with the heart and and creativity at that level are 
kind of at the big, at the greatest risk at all times, you know. And for for James, apparently this is the time it comes to a head, you know. And he's he probably has refused to deal with that for however many years before this, and probably for however many years after this. Yeah, but you know he's had like broken arms and skateboards, had his arm torched off there in Toronto. Well, actually, I don't know if it was in Toronto. And there was Rub a, some money on it, James. Something like that. You know, yeah. the, the Guns and Roses riots and stuff <laughs> like that. But uh, and, and obviously, he's, he's clearly always kind of struggled with being a member of Alcoholica. But uh, you know, this I think this is the the second song I think where he actually refers to like you know actually having to like write this stuff down. It's like it's. The therapy of it is like you write your thoughts down, you get it out, and then you you transmogrify that into art, right? It's it, it, it's like the like the saying goes. It's like you know, poetry is suffering made powerful. You just and it, it involves sharing. It involves like expressing it. And I think you know, James has always been really great at that I, I think you know that's that's kind of like the, the key to like why so many people uh gravitate towards the power of metallic his music it's like everybody can kind of relate to this you yeah. know it's, it's it's strong and it's honest and and, it, and there there is kind of a there there's definitely a kind of an art to it it's you yeah. know it's, it's no there's a there's a there's a primal nature that i think taps into something but then you're right, the art that is there has kind of a substrate upon which to function, you know, and I think that that's important as well. Yeah. And you know, you've sweet, got... Sweet, sweet Amber is a song about beer. Really? It's about beer. It's kind of heavy to be about beer. Yeah. If, if you don't have to read it as like an Edgar Allan, you know, allegorical poem, but it's about beer. I thought maybe it was about like... Hash resin. Is that, about a, is that or about a girl named Amber Waves? No, no. I thought maybe nice like if it were like you know if it were about a drug of choice, I'm thinking you know that sticky. Chase cat, the rabbit, cat catch the stick. Poop. She rolls yeah. me over till I'm sick. She deals in habits. Deals. Are you okay? I'm just reading the lyrics. Oh. I'm reading it out for you. <laughs> I'm, <Sorry>. the <laughs> I'm also channeling. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But uh, yeah, no, it's good. It, and, and again, I, I maybe mostly very therapeutic for uh, for James to, uh, to, to to go through this. Then it took another eight years to put out a record. But yeah. I, you know, I mean, what would ha- what would happen if Metallica broke up? Where would everybody go? <laughs> uh, uh, go? Go to the art museum. Do you mean where would the fans go? No, where would the band go? Like, would they, James they would go, be... They, they would go nowhere. They each have diverse interests already. Like, James has already sort of taken himself off the grid. James, James, you know, is like... He got out of liberal San Francisco, and now he lives in... I want to say Montana or Colorado or some Something shit like, like that. that. And like, Or you could just you know, shoot where, your guns at your front door. Right, right. He's just... He's, <laughs> he's in his truck. He's got his guns. He likes to go hunting. Lars is an art dealer by night you know or by day rather 
you know, he, he likes art and, and whatever. So he's always trading in that. And Kirk is an avid horror film collector. And, and you know, he... he yeah, he, dude, he just did like a great exhibit of like all his... Uh, dude, his like collection horrors. is incredible. Like, yeah. it's so good. And, and I think that's what they would do. And Robert yeah. would probably go back and play with like suicidal tendencies <laughs> like you know what i mean like i you know they 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 have gotten to a point in their life where they don't have to work if metallica ended it's not like they're going to be like well fuck what are these guys going to do now oh, i still they're, have they're, to, they're going to go be rich and enjoy all right so, all right so pretend metallica is not metallica today rich so this is the, this is the unnamed feeling uh it's a mere seven minutes yeah yeah We've got like 30 minutes to go. On yeah, James, 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 that unnamed feeling is hatred. <laughs> Anger? Yeah, so let's uh, skip the skip the the modern day Metallica. Okay. Where do they go? I think you're right. I think Trujillo goes back to like some Bay Area punk band. I, you know, I think because he, he also played with Infectious Grooves, right? And he played, played with, yeah. with some other bands here and there. I think, you know, he, he's just a dude who likes playing music. And it's like his son also plays music and, and you know, maybe he does something with him. I, I think he's just one of those dudes that's like yeah. enjoys what he does. And yeah. um, Would Hetfield be like solo country artist or something? I, I don't think so. I think Hetfield, I think if Metallica were to end, that you would probably never hear from him again. I think he's that guy. Yeah. Like, he, he, he's never the guy who's like, Lars is way more outspoken than James is. I think James has had his cup full of being a rock star and and being being the the voice of, of heavy metal. I think he would disappear. I really do. But, but James, James has always been like the more reticent sort of like soft-spoken dude. Uh, that, that was like that was the thing that got him tagged early on from these things. Like, here's a guy who's the singer in your band. He won't actually sing in the band, so I yeah. have to sing. <laughs> they also like we have to recruit possibly John Bush to sing in the band because like this guy has like stage fright or just doesn't feel comfortable singing. Um, so it's like I think he's always, you know, like I think your your assessment is right, John. Like that, that James just sort of be content to sort of like uh, stack the chatter and just go out and shoot animals someplace in Montana, <laughs> um, and then do some drag racing and stuff. Yeah, um, I could see Kirk still making music for sure on and, it, and, on his own. He just did that. EP. Didn't he do a solo record? Yeah, it's an EP that came out that was like sort of music in the style of of a soundtrack. It was like yeah. a soundtrack for a movie that doesn't exist. That was sort of his his take on it. Huh. It's not bad. It, you know, it's fine. Does it sound like The Elder? Uh, no. Fine. Yeah, uh, it sounds yeah. like Escape from the Island. Like it's <laughs> that would be hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, like Johnny Greenwood put out a record like that too. It's sort of like yeah, all right. Ooh, all well, right. and he and he went and did soundtracks, and I I could so I could totally see Kirk being like, oh, this this shit's I don't have to be like a psychiatrist anymore. Like I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go score horror movies. I, you know what I mean? That's probably yeah. his dream anyway. Right. Like, it's like Kirk. What are you gonna do after you're the beaten? After you're done being the beaten spouse for uh, for Metallica? Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it's the beaten I, spouse to a net worth of probably three hundred million. He's all right. I, I would like, imagine, don't cry like, for Kirk. Like, no, I'm just, dude, he's got that squirrely mustache. 
<laughs> yeah, he's my favorite member of Metallica. I, <laughs> I, I would imagine just like just join up like with Roddy Bottom and just like doing some sort of like hey, why not? Memorial, That'd be know, awesome. Imperial team shit. Just I, please. <laughs> Again, like, Don't get John all wound up. That'd be great. To, to collaborate with less players. You guys can, you guys can practice in my garage. Rejoining Exodus. Yeah, he he would join the circle and just hey play guys, with Sammy and Michael Anthony. And <laughs> oh, like, you know. see, you always go a little too far. I I honestly think he would he would probably score horror movies. I think that would be right up his alley. Like, yeah. Yep. Should I mention again that uh, I there's two and a half minutes left in this? I have a signed poster of Evil Dead that has <laughs> the signature from Kurt Cobain, not Kurt Cobain, but from Kurt Hammond on it. Kurt Cobain, no way. And what he write? It's like it's like for the a sex. weird inscription, right? He, he wrote great flick, but the L and the I in flick are so close together. <laughs> yeah. For the longest time, it looks like great fuck. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, and yes, Kurt. Kurt's was. hidden past with one Michael Stamps at a at a Red Lion in San Jose. There you go. <laughs> and, and also Bruce Campbell signed it too. So it's, it's a good definitely, day. It's definitely a good day. Yeah. So yeah. So why did why did Kirk sign it if Bruce Campbell? No, signed Kirk it? was just there. Mike and I He's like just. <laughs> Mike, just Mike, out. Mike and I loved horror movies when we were kids and, and metal. So they had a Fangoria weekend of horrors at a Red Lion in San Jose, <laughs> and so <laughs> we went. Shree was there too. Yeah. Yeah. So we went, and you know, it's just it's a comic book convention, but but horror themed. So it's you know it's Friday thirteenth posters and. Props Stephen and King shit. action figures, yeah, just T-shirts, Stephen stuff, King, right? and so, yeah. and, and, so and Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell was yeah, like, Bruce Campbell was going to be there, and we we had Evil Dead posters, so we had those signed, and, and like we came around the corner, and at a booth, Kirk was just there, <laughs> like hanging he out, was just, so, he was just sort of like a fan, he was just buying shit, like yeah, just he was just like put it on my American Express card. Do you know me? But I, I, I did know him, so I like I, I, I don't really do star fucking stuff at all. Yeah, you do. But like I, I just walked up to him and like, he was great. Metallica, will you please sign my people dead poster? Yeah. For <laughs> for the for the longest time, I don't know if it's still there, but in the uh, in the concourse uh, at SFO. They had a bunch of Kirk Hammett's guitars. They had like an exhibit of like lots and lots of his guitars in case yeah. uh, at the airport. It was great. Interesting. At, at, at the airport? At SFO, yeah. Okay. Yep. That'd be super cool. It was good, yeah. Dude, I feel like I'm in Metallica right now where we're having this conversation and like, oh, James is still talking. I mean, dude, like at this point, you're praying for the life coach. You're like, what time are we wrapping up today? Yeah. Four like o'clock, you said? So I, I, I would say for anybody who wanted to get like this dose into a smaller shot, would just be like, listen to Dire, not Dire Maker, Dire Z, and just, just do that. If you want, if you want the same anger experience, just listen to the first three songs and you're good. There you go. See, Mike's got it right there. To Mike, great fuck, Kirk Hammond. Mike, you asked for it, Bruce Campbell. See, that's brilliant right there. Great flick. 
or great fun. <laughs> you tell me. I had, I, I've got it somewhere. I had an encyclopedia of horror films, and it had The Shining on the cover. That's what I had Kirk's on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Bruce just signed my poster. I had the Evil Dead 2 poster, which was a skull, and he just wrote Bruce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. my dog. I love Evil Dead 2. Yeah. The first one. Yeah? Oh, mm-hmm. it's so good. Did you like the remake of Evil Dead? Yes. Yeah, I did too. The, the, what, what's that guy? Thad Alvarez? That's the director. He's good. Yeah. I watched uh, Terrifier 2 today. Yeah, I. they are mid-Terrifier 3, from what I read. That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah. And they said it's going to be even more hardcore than 2. And it's like, mm. how can that be? Well, I, I, it was more... 2 was more hardcore than 1, which is believable. Yeah, have, more you, have, you seen, uh, have you seen Don't Breathe? Yes. That same director as the Evil Dead remake. Because that one wasn't... That guy, Alvarez. Oh, okay. I didn't think Don't Breathe was very good. I liked it. That's the one with the blind guy, right? Yeah. yeah. See, this is exactly what happens in Metallica rehearsals. <laughs> oh, and James is like... Kirk and Lars I'm, start I'm talking st- about horror I'm films. still singing over here. While, while Bob Rock and James uh, are also, making a also different I think record. We're almost, we're almost two minutes into Purify. We are. This song we're, isn't bad, but it, this is... We've had this discussion with other records where you get this far into the record and you're just done. This... They could have easily taken two of the seven to eight minute songs from the from the back side of this record, lopped them off, and had a sixty minute record, and you would have had the same effect. Yeah, it's a better effect. Yeah, no, this song is not bad, and it could have come earlier, or they could have gotten rid of like three or four songs. That, that's why I was saying, listen to yeah. the first three songs of "San Anger," and you have the experience, and I think you probably have the best three songs. I want to like suggest too, like at, at some point, I think when, 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 when you know, you begin like recording uh, as a band, recording albums at a time where they have to be distributed on cassette or on vinyl, and then you get into like the CD era, it sort of expands in, in a way where this this sort of excess, this this flab could just sort of like just just sort of like just flop itself all over the place where it's like you know you usually like a music video or a single you've got to like hit like the comfortable three and a half minutes that's it you know you know there there are very few exceptions to that rule um you know and then you know the record albums that we grew up on in the 80s and stuff that's got to be like 60 minutes because it's not otherwise going to fit on the eight track it's not going to fit yeah, on double cassette, cassette. Yeah. yeah but cds just like now allow you just just as we know now is in the digital age to sort of like anything goes just just put it all out there and, and that might be part of that too just the sense of like do there do there need to be 11 tracks did the 11 tracks need to amount to like nearly yeah. 90 minutes of music? No. But, well, that's the thing. Nowadays, it doesn't make now, it epic at all. Nowadays, they could push out seven tracks and then a little later add the bonus tracks. You know what I mean? With sure, streaming yeah. services. It, yeah, if you wanted to, but like, 
And, and again, like the, the the band again, like Lars was. The song uh, ends with it with a new song. L- Lars was a little, let's say, obsessed early on about like, you know, putting the the running times of the songs after the song title because he he thought that was just sort of like just like you know the length of your dick sort of like credit score sort of like shit that you would just throw out there to people but uh you know but he also recognized too probably you know after like touring you know uh and justice for all as he said too it's like shit these songs are too long and you got to play like like a marathon basically if you're doing like and justice which is like nine minutes long like what were you fucking thinking? And, and and again, like what he's thinking now as he approaches sixty is like, oh shit, can we get the radio edit of this song? <laughs> We've moved so on to the final song. We're all finally to the final. Hands. And this this is a good song. All within my hand. So good they, they song. Save, also save, the name save, of their charity. They say they save a good song for the end. If yeah. It could have been saved by about four and a half minutes. It, it is eight. 45, yes. The longest song on the record. So, um, yeah. But you'll, you know, I'll, I'll take the time to say, you notice the drums to which people take such offense disappear after about the second or third song. And, and they're not even through the whole first song. These are a little bit softer, but but you don't you don't hear any snare. He took the you can hear that ping. I mean, he he likes that ping, but I mean, yeah, you know, all drummers want to, want their drums to cut through, and in this case, he's he's hitting these rim shots. And but there's there's no there's no sizzle underneath. It's just sort of like like almost like steel drums. All the rage for a while. It was really tight, top, top, uh, top hits. It's good. I'm gonna say this too. It's like the, the drums sound like they've been listening to Tool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was that 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 tight snare. You know, a lot of guys switched to a piccolo or had a, had a, a second snare drum. Um, For that, you know, for that sound, yeah, it? yeah, it's, 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 it's a right, real tight, thumpy sound. Mm-hmm. It's like a little, it's a little pop to it. A little, little groovy action, little, little Alice in Chains. This is what they were doing to stay relevant. Not, not saying I hate it. No, I, I mean like I, I this I like this song. This is a good yeah, song. Me too. Some of those songs around the middle, kind of really from like, and and I would have this whole record play like when I'd be writing music and stuff. There's a whole gap of songs that I don't remember, but this I, song it, I do. Yeah, it's funny. I made it as an aside earlier when we were talking, but seventy-two seasons is a little bit of a companion yeah. to this record. I feel like it is. It, like it it's is very, and- very autobiographical. If you look at the timings on the songs and sort of what it, it's exploring of the first 72 seasons of your life, uh, you know, 
themes of suicide and and it it ends with a, a long sort of you know rock opera maybe you know like this of uh enamorata at, at the end of the next or sorry of 72 seasons there there's some bookends with that yeah. record i feel like and i didn't realize it until listening to this start to finish tonight t to b yeah no and and, and again we just it, it's again it's um it's great to have like a, a strong personality in the band because like especially if they're like the main lyricist and someone who's like giving uh, some sort of narrative structure to the song um, and again like you know James Hetfield is you know pretty 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 good at this um, but uh, you know there's there, there's songs that I, I would prefer too like it, these are, you know, we don't want to think that like Fade to Black is actually a, a sort of a, a confessional, sort of autobiographical song. He does like a lot of uh, what what I've described as sort of like uh, sort of situational, sort of like uh, catastrophe moments, you know, trapped in her eyes or whatnot. Um, but uh, you know. I like the Cthulhu song, Cthulhu Rising, that's great. <laughs> you know, that, uh, songs about, you know, like, Now That We're Dead, My Dear, that's a great one off of the Hardwired. Uh, that is a good song. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, and again, it's it's great to learn so much about James, but it's like, it's so much of the same stuff. Yeah, um, I thought we were done. It, you know, it's... Uh, Good. Yeah, this this song is great. I'm telling you, lop off a couple of those eight minute songs in the middle. Yeah, and, I, I, and you have a better record. Is it is it because like there's no solos? No. I, I, I well I just, that doesn't help. Dave Mustaine um, Dave Mustaine is like that song's a little long. It, it's because they they don't have any solos. That's also because it's the same theme for an hour and fifteen minutes. It doesn't go yeah. anywhere. Yeah, which I, and again, I, I I probably recognized this when I first listened to it twenty years ago. It's kind of like, oh, I get this. And there's there's no high points. It's like you, you, I remember as a kid, you'd go back and you listen to like something like. Uh, pick any album and there would be like there would be the hits there would be like the songs that you would like and then there would be like the stuff that was just like filler that you would come back to later and go like that's a deep cut that's an awesome track it turns out because it's not Hell's Bell because it's not like you know uh, talk dirty to me and like and you, and you just you come to like it because it's just there but all these songs just sort of like blur in, in some sort of strange way all together like it's just like one big continuous uh, jam in a garage small doses small doses I think <laughs> but. it's I mean it's the length of this record that kills it I hate to break yes. it to you folks you no, think no, it's, it, you well, think no, it's the snare it, drums it's the length of the songs and the length of, the length of the songs and again, like no solos, no texturing. It's just kind of like it's like just watching a guy sort of like paint a wall. It's like, oh, what are you gonna do next? 
gonna continue painting the wall. Yeah. Almost there. Yep. I like this one. And, and again, this this is a record I'm probably gonna wake up and listen to tomorrow, just so I can get like another sort of like taste off of it. There's definitely songs I want to listen to again, like "Same Anger" and, uh, and "Dirty Window," and I'm probably gonna listen to "Invisible Kid" again, just just to kind of like give them another go. But like when they're all taken together, it's like. It's much, but like the, the the next song I'm gonna listen to, like after the podcast signs off here, guys, I'm gonna listen to that uh, Dire Z, because that's that's a banger, that's a banger. Last song on And Justice. It'll blow <laughs> your balls. Like that kiss apart. outro. Yeah. <laughs> guys, we've been here a long time. Let's wrap it up. Oh yeah, or like the end of like Die Hard the Hunter. It's like. We're done, dude. Just no, this is Lars. Lars's drum set, like the tank starts to turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, what's what's gonna happen now, guys? You, you, we were out in the parking lot. You there we go. The explosion. So there it the is. End, the end of Saint Anger. It's a. I tell you, it's a good record. I think I it's a good say, record. I gotta say, David, I came around a bit on it tonight i you know get outside of the length i think there's some definite good songs on there i you know i of, of the rankings i you know i i think like i said i prefer the first three frantic saint anger and some kind of monster and i think all within my hands is is really good yeah yeah and, and it totally fits with and like if the... and if any album if it's got four great songs on it better than most yeah i mean i'll say this about you know <laughs> this was said about uh i think celtic frost's cold lake but i think it's applicable here it's like i think any band would be happy for this to be their worst album sure <laughs> yeah know? no and again it's, it, it's uh, i don't know if it's their worst album it's just no know. but i mean that's i mean and it's just by, by comparison you know it's like i'd take it <laughs> you know yeah, no, and, and again, there's, there's, there's just blood. Like, as we said before, there's, there's Metallica fans, metal fans uh, tend to be highly opinionated and sort of, mm, you know, they want to privilege one record over the other and blah, 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 and do all the ranking and shit. But it, it fits in their evolution. It fits in the evolution of, of where music was at the time. Shit. They sold six million records, so that's that doesn't yeah. sound like a flop at all, right? Go back and see like how many records did Destroyer actually sell? <laughs> still sold this, more than Destroyer. I don't know, just just saying by comparison, it's like cause yeah. Kiss if we were going there, at least bring up Love Gun. Tone. Okay. <laughs> but uh, no, but I I think I think it's a good record. I think anybody could go, and, you know, cut this to tape, and everyone every time they stop. And they're just about to start the second half of the song. Just, just delete that and pretend right. that's the whole song. <laughs> the, 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 dad, the dad turns out was right. It's like, just you should click delete. Just, just wherever they pause, they stop. And they're just about to kick a new riff in. Just, that's it. Just hit pause. Just I don't know. Leave it, that it, out. It, go it, to the next it, song. It's, it's. I think John had like a point too that like Bob Rock was like maybe too soft of a producer. He was more of like team player or coach he was like he got kind of got like a little uh 
Stockholm syndrome in there. I, I no, think I, any any producer would be happy to say they got this much effort out of the band. Yeah, no, right? and, 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 they and play Bob. hard as hell on this record, yeah. and they when they just need to do it about half as long. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and and that's the thing too. It's like this this we're, we're coming in like in a in, in, in June twenty. 23. 23. No, excuse me, 20. 23. 2003. 2003. I had to learn how to say those old years all over again. 20 ought three. Um, ought three. But, uh, like, nobody wants an eight and a half minute song. No. Do they? No. No. They want Kylie Minogue. You put, dude, you put, you put that on my they, playlist. They I'm halfway to work need, by now. They, they don't need it to be that long. Yeah. Just give me something really short and quick. So, Michael, what is it? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I have to give it a thumbs up because I, I, I respect and appreciate where, the, where this is, uh, where it came from, where it fits into Metallica's uh, really long and interesting, evolving sort of like uh, life story, their 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 journey, let's call it that, to be a good life coach term. And just sort of like, you know, it was not the end for them. You know, as John John said, like this this could be like their worst record, could be their last record, could be the end of Metallica. Turns out it wasn't. Mm. They did have three more records in them. Yeah, I'm definitely a thumbs up. Yeah, I, I am too, actually. Yeah, it and might be the first time we all agree. And, then, yeah. and it's kind of weird, like to say, oh, like, geez, and Colin likes this record too. That's don't a don't don't, don't tell him. He won't know for months because he never listens to the podcast. <laughs> But like it, 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 it would, it would seem like the kind of like their best days were still ahead of them. <laughs> if you're thinking about like stacking cheddar and selling out stadiums, that's what I'm saying. And buying boss yachts, shit. <laughs> it, it, it is true in a way, right? I mean, how many bands their popularity actually grows? 30 years right. into our career, 40 years into it, our it, career, it, it, and it, they it, are one of them. It, it's really weird, and I've, I've been listening to like a lot of uh, on the XM. I've been listening to like a lot of first wave, and they yeah. keep talking about like shit. Try to buy a ticket for the Cure. Try to buy a ticket for Duran Duran. Yeah, the the Cure is is amongst the best shows I've seen all year, I, and we talked about that last week. They Welcome are, to middle are, age metalheads. They are um, you know, yeah. like Thank that tour like is metal check. Is really great, <laughs> but like, but but it's but it's the same sort of thing too. And we we talked because the, the middle age part comes into it, sort of like, oh shit. Well, back when I was a kid, tickets cost like twelve dollars, and I don't know why I had to go to a southern accent, but I did. Yeah, it's great <laughs> though. Yeah, you should go to the but like, Danish. But, like, but but nowadays, like if, if fans are coming around, it's like Duran Duran, really. They're gonna come to like Philadelphia, or they're gonna play in like, you know, New York City. They played. They played in Austin. Hundred dollar ticket, two hundred dollar tickets. That sounds like a party night. Yeah. Just, just seems like that seems like an event. And and again, like not necessarily because like stacked. Yeah, for sure. It really is. (laughs) No, and 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 again, like lovers. You never knew how many Duran Duran songs you knew. Right, or or really, or really, really like, just like, oh my gosh, so many amazing songs. They play anything by Arcadia? 
maybe did not go. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe, maybe they do some of that uh the stuff they did with uh, Power Station. Power Ooh, Station. There, you, there go. you go. Dude, if they did uh, election day and some like it hot. Some like it hot, there right. you go. I can see them. Robert doing Palmer? Day. Fuck yeah. yeah. Alright, shall we? We may as well. Uh, stick a fork in it. Thank you again for joining us on our podcast this evening where we took a fond, uh, a surprisingly fond look back at Metallica's Saiyan Anger at 20. Uh, follow us on the Instagram at Metal Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at M-A-M-H-Pod. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Just search Middle-Aged Metalheads. Review us on iTunes. Give us as many stars as you can. We could use it uh same thing on spotify give us a review yeah right uh what else oh man um see at the show still dead there you go pat robertson's still dead we'll see you next week later hello hello we're metallica and you're not you're listening to kusf 90.3 90.3 on FM dial. Yeah. <laughs>